Welcome back to the Crooked Spine Show. Have you been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes or been told you're pre-diabetic because of your health? In today's talk with Lane Leisenhout, she is a functional medicine clinician and she works remotely to help you with gut health, mood and energy, hormonal balances, and more through medical lab testing. And she can emphasize because she went through the same struggles herself with her health issues. She understands how to do it naturally, how to get your health back to normal naturally. In today's talk with type 2 diabetes, she helps us explain exactly how to balance out your overall body, how to stabilize your blood sugar so you can overall body healthy. She talks about exactly the importance of blood sugar stabilization and signs of, in, of blood sugar imbalances. What is insulin resistance when your doctor talks about that? How you can recover naturally, even though you may be told to your doctor that it's a permanent condition. And also what other lab tests you can do besides the ones your doctors may recommend. And also, which I love, the hacks how to stabilize your blood sugar through your diet and through your nutrition and through your exercise and mindset. And this talk specifically talks about the hacks, especially about eating in orders of greens, proteins, then your carbs last. Simple exercise after eating. And do not do naked carbs. And what that means is you wanna combine it with a protein, fat, um, or fiber. Also hydration uh, before having caffeine, especially in the morning, allows your body, and, and maybe a little bit of a snack too, allows your body to uh, not go into what's fight or flight um, before you have your caffeine. Also, using a little bit of a diluted apple cider vinegar with water when you do have a high carb meal. And also too, importance of uh, having a, for example, in her sense, having a system or a routine of possibly in her routine lanes, a smoothie for breakfast where it combines all of your good proteins, fats, and simple carbs or complex carbs, sorry, in a quick meal to get your body started for the overall morning. And then for one, two, importance of sleep and eating more veggies to compensate for people that eat, for example, too many carbs in their daily diet, being the American diet, and to limiting, somewhat a limiting fruits as you recover if you're pre-diabetic or have type 2 type diabetes now. And one thing is too, the mindset of, as Lane says, this food is nourishing before you eat anything, may it be high carb or not. So do I talk to my friends, understand type 2 diabetes or if you're pre-diabetic, you've been told about by your doctor, is not a lifelong sentence or is ways to carve naturally. Elaine does a phenomenal, phenomenal job talking about that. So enjoy talking to my friends. Go to her links, connect with her. She has a free resource guide. Talks about her hacks and how to um, get your lifestyle right to recover from type 2 diabetes. Also understand she can help you with your overall health. So enjoy talking to my friends. And the show notes too has also links to previous podcasts and these show notes. So have a great day and we'll see you next week. Well, again, this is Dr. Tony. I am a local chiropractor up in California. And Lane Van out. you're in South Carolina, correct? Yep, that's right. Fantastic. We are here to talk about diabetes type 2. Okay. Our last go, this is this is June 2022. Um, people have been sedentary for the last couple of years and have sometimes their whole life. As we get older, it's hard to fight our body's own metabolism. Sometimes you want to lose weight. We just don't have the motivation. Type 2 diabetes is part of that. Our body is sometimes based on the American diet, we eat too many carbs, our body can't break it down normally, and it does, over time, body kind of breaks down where it becomes adapted to it. So, I want to talk about type 2 diabetes, how it works, what is it, 
how do we recover from a natural? Because sometimes you talk to your doctor about it and you get the blood work back, like, oh, you're type 2 diabetes, you're done. Okay, this is a life sentence for one. Lainey's here to talk about how to recover naturally, what is it, and how do we go from there? So, Lane, take it over. Tell me your background first. Why, why do you get into this, this, this functional medicine type of stuff? Yeah. So I'm Lane. Thanks for having me. And I am a nurse practitioner. I've been an MP for over three years. My background is in hospital medicine and, you know, love the acute care. So was able to help a lot of sick patients and loved it for a long time. But I now have functional medicine, which is my true passion, because that's all about getting to the root cause of disease and symptoms rather than you know, covering up symptoms with Band-Aids, which is what a lot of times happens in the traditional medical world. And so I have been in the medical field for about 13 years total. So again, I've worked with a lot of people who've been struggling with their health. And I really started diving into functional medicine, one, because I was seeing chronic diseases toll on people. And it just got me thinking if I could have helped these people decades before this, mm-hmm. we would they'd be in such a better, different position. But then my own health was really what was the big push to get into functional medicine. I went through a period of time where I was extremely stressed, a lot of anxiety, racing thoughts, couldn't sleep, you know, all these like mood changes. And it ended up, I was developing physical symptoms at then like chest pain, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, brain fog, all of these things. And it was, that was my day to day. And you know, of course I did my own labs, everything was normal. And I was like, there's gotta be something to this. Like, it's not just all in my head. And so uh, that's when I really went down the functional medicine route to learn how to heal my body, rebalance my hormones, heal my gut. And, you know, it's a journey. Like I'm not saying there's no work that I have left to do. There always will be, but Um, I'm in a much better place now than I was several years ago with the help of getting, or with the help of functional medicine and getting to the root of everything. Well, being a nurse too, the last few years or so, is just stressful period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, I was just... normal, but a normal world per se. So going through that, you're now can empathize to it going through, Hey, look, I've been there. I understand what you went through. Let's get you out of there. And you understand now the science behind it, not just from patient perspectives as, as a clinician, now you can actually get them to see both sides of the coin. Yeah. And I mean, especially working in the pandemic, like we've all been under tremendous stress that I think we don't even realize because we repress it. We have to wake up and do it again. So we just we just, you know, keep it down so that it doesn't affect us, even though it does. It does internally, but it's a survival mechanism, a coping mechanism to just ignore it almost. And I think that, you know, it catches up to us. And so we've got to work on like our stress reduction and you know, there's always going to be stress. We can't get rid of stress, but we can change our response to stress. And we can also set our bodies up to be resilient despite stress. I like that we're resilient. Though. And I did a talk with a ther- with the psycholo- psychologist, psych- psychotherapist. A lot of it was finding ways to deal with it naturally so it doesn't affect you physically and mentally. Yeah, exactly. Help your state. So good, good, good. So why why did you want to talk about diabetes today? Well, blood sugar in general is so important and we'll just kind of dive into like what blood sugar is. So glucose or blood sugar, the same thing is our main source of energy. We all need it. We have to have glucose to survive and we really want stable glucose levels in order to have good brain function, good cognition and mental clarity, good energy and not have those crashes throughout the day. And so diabetes and pre-diabetes, they all start somewhere and they actually take years, if not decades to develop. And so if we can catch 
something earlier, it's going to make a tremendous difference. And what, what comes before prediabetes or diabetes is actually insulin resistance. And so to talk a little bit about that, um, we need insulin. That's the hormone that takes glucose from our bloodstream into the cells of different organs and tissues. And that is where it's used to like create energy. But right. okay, so insulin is that transport hormone. And over time, when we have glucose in our bloodstream too high for too long, the insulin is going to increase as well in order to get the, bl the blood sugar out of the bloodstream. And right. What can happen is the cells can become too full of glucose that no more can come in despite insulin's best effort. And we can become what's called insulin resistant. So in your lab work, to talk about traditional labs, we see fasting glucoses and A1Cs. That's what mm -hmm. you, we've, I'm sure we've all had drawn multiple times before. In commercials on that stuff, my A1C is better. I'm like, that's nice, but what the heck is it? Yeah, I know. So your blood glucose is, you know, says it's, you know, it's the blood glucose is always drawn in a fasting state. So first morning, nothing on your stomach except water. And the standard reference range is 80 to 100. But there's a lot of fluctuation in that reference range that can give us subtle clues that maybe something's not right earlier on. Just unfortunately, it gets missed because we're so focused on the normal range. But our ideal range is actually around 90. And if you have someone who does, you know, live the standard American lifestyle with the diet, the nutrition, you know, the fast food, all of that, um, or just like nutrient poor food in general, they are sedentary, they do have life stressors, then if that's their life, and you have a normal glucose between 80 and 100, I would really look deeper, and especially if they're having symptoms of of hormone imbalance, like low energy, low moods, brain fog, inability to lose weight, um, trouble sleeping, things like that. And so we want it to be around 90. And if it's lower than 90, closer to the 80 range, that can be the early signs of insulin resistance because your insulin again is going to increase in response to increased blood sugar and yeah. your blood sugar is going to fall because of the insulin okay. having to work harder and having to be released at a higher rate. Now, if you're on the upper end of that, like closer to 100, It'd be really interesting if you were to take your trends from the five years prior and see, have you been slowly creeping up? Because technically, if you're 90, 96, 97, 98, looks normal. But if you're living that lifestyle that supports a metabolic dysfunction, which turns into diabetes, and I would really look deeper. Um, and that's kind of like a, a later sign that diabetes is, is developing. And then your A1C, on the other hand, is essentially reflecting a three-month average of your blood glucose. And you want to be around five would be the most ideal. 5.7 or less is considered normal. 5.7 and above is pre-diabetes or diabetes, depending on where you fall. And tell, tell me what, A, what does A1C stand for? What does that test? So your hemoglobin A1C, again, is honestly, what does it stand for? <laughs> I don't, anyway, so it is the reflection of the three-month average of the blood glucose. So you can come into the, the doctor's office or the hospital and have a fasting glucose that, again, is within normal range. And you think you're good. You're all good. Keep up the good work. But then you check an A1C and it's seven. And that indicates that you have diabetes despite a single glucose reading that's technically normal. And take a step back to what what in our diet makes us, if you want to call it, have more sugar, <clears throat> more, more of the medical term glucose in our body, where it's in our blood. What, what, what in our diet does that? Is it is it shrimp? Is it prime rib? Is it french fries like I like to eat? Or what, what, what do you got? 
So it's starches and sugar. So yeah, potatoes, starchy vegetables, like winter squashes, even like carrots are a starchy source, but that's not to demonize those things or anything like that, but in excessive amounts, especially. And then your refined sugars and carbs, like the grain flours and the sugar and the candy and the, you know, the breads and pastas, like all of those things while, and we'll go this more like it's okay if you have those things sometimes but there's some hacks that you can implement that's going to help stabilize your blood sugar better and so those are the primary sources of carbs which turns into glucose when it's absorbed and digested by the body and again the insulin is is what is going to help decrease that glucose load on your vessels and so the problem with glucose though is that of course we need it for energy we need it for all of our organs to function but when it's too high for too long it causes what we call oxidative stress or inflammation essentially in the lining of our blood vessels. And that's when you start to see damage to different tissues that the blood vessels are supplying blood to. And so the biggest, um, the biggest risk with that is serious chronic diseases like heart attacks, heart disease, uh, strokes. Um, you can even have impaired blood flow in your, in your limbs. Like you're, you can develop ulcers in your feet because you're not getting blood flow to heal the, to, to provide nutrients to the tissue and then heal the tissue. Um, so it has a lot of implications, but that's the extreme of it. And we still need to focus earlier on in anyone's healing journey of, about balancing the blood sugar. So it's more about um, keeping it balanced rather than always like avoiding certain certain foods. Good, good. And with that too, you'd mentioned too, um, the, the early markers being glucose levels and A1C for one too. Are there any other testing that people can do on their own for that? So fasting insulin is another highly underrated blood mm -hmm. test. And I would, you, I mean, anybody can order their own blood test. Honestly. Yeah. You can order them online. Uh, just insurance won't pay for it. But you you should be able to ask your provider to order that. I don't think that's one that's too hard to get. But your fasting insulin should be around four to seven. Okay. And anything above that indicates some insulin resistance. And so that, again, is the precursor to prediabetes or diabetes. And with that too, when, when you have that, say your doctor says, hey, your test came out positive, you have diabetes, prediabetes, what what do you recommend someone to wait to get tested again if they do change their lifestyle, if they do the right things to actually get their body healthier, either bringing less glucose, less sugar in their body, less carbohydrates, and or get their insulin up. So what, what kind of waiting period do you recommend? Three months would be a good waiting period for most people, especially if you, especially if you are falling into that diabetic or if you're monitoring the A1C, especially because, again, it's a three month average. And so you want to wait at least that time period. Uh, so if, if you are someone who is wanting to monitor those things closely, three months and then possibly six months, you know, just depending on where you are. Good, good, good. You mentioned to you before, too, uh, some of the some of the hacks to get our body to become more or less pre-diabetic or more diabetic, because again, it's more of a life, it's in my sense, more of a lifestyle situation. What are some of the hacks you could do? So just to cover a little bit about like what a blood sugar imbalance might feel like, because some people may think that they don't have any issues with blood sugar because maybe they're thin and they feel like they're healthy and, you know, they just, you know, diabetes or, or insulin resistance or blood glucose imbalance is just not on their radar at all. Mm -hmm. But you may have some subtle signs that you do have blood sugar that's not well balanced because it's often just 
it, it really happens because we have this blood glucose surge or spike. And then when it goes up so rapidly, it has to come down and it's going to come down just as rapidly. And so that's when you start to feel the energy crashes and getting hangry, which is like a funny term, but it's a serious thing. You get hangry because your blood sugar is dropping rapidly. It can also contribute to faster aging, to poor skin health. Uh, you may have to eat more frequently to you know, overcome those feelings of hunger or irritability, have more cravings. You might have more body fat, uh, lightheadedness. It could go on. Like there's a lot of symptoms of glucose imbalance. And so whenever I almost feel like they have a blood pressure because they they like, I just feel lightheaded all the time. Or when I do this, I, I can't get out of a chair because I feel like I'm dizzy all the time too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to that point, like if you were to check your blood sugar at that time, it may technically still be within normal. It exactly. may not be 40, 50 where you would clearly, or most people would clearly mm -hmm. have symptoms of low blood sugar. It may be 70, but that might be too low for your body. And it might be that it just came down so fast that you feel that poorly. Uh, so one thing I love to teach with my clients is although I love to focus on like nutrient dense whole foods, cause that's what we nourish our bodies with. That also doesn't mean that you can never enjoy the treats that we love most, especially like in your beginning stages, um, when you're just starting out on your journey, cause sometimes it can be very daunting to say like, you cannot have that, like no more of that. What? And that can be really hard. And so um, I always want to meet people where they are and find hacks that we can implement that they can keep their favorite things while still promoting health in their body. And in this case, it's specifically talking about reducing glucose spikes from the food we take in. And so the first step, I have eight or nine tips, so we'll see if we get to all right. of them. But the first one really, uh, I have to give the, the there's a, there's a, um, biochemist named the glucose goddess on Instagram. And if you don't follow her, y'all should follow her content because her information and her work is so helpful. And so she uh, really teaches how, and she has a lot of good graphics that show how your blood sugar spikes with one thing versus the lesser spike with that one thing plus something else. So it's about adding things rather than taking away all the time. And glucose goddess, correct? Yeah, yeah. Your work is awesome. So the first tip that she teaches is to drink vinegar diluted in water. So it sounds weird, sounds kind of gross, but it really is backed by science. And so the instructions is to take one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. I think it's like you can use any vinegar really, but about 15, 20 minutes prior to a meal, especially if the meal is carb heavy and then, you know, dilute it in water. And that's going to help encourage glucose to get out of the bloodstream and go into your muscles. Cause if it stays in the bloodstream, that's where it's going to cause the inflammation. It's going to later be stored as fat. So it has, it has the muscles take up the, the glucose instead. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And is that just once a day or is that a couple times a day? Um, I would say just start with once a day. I mean, some people don't even do it every day, but if they're, if, if you know that you're eating a carb heavy meal, like saying you're having a big pasta feast for dinner, definitely during meals like that. <laughs> mm. Do you want to do a pre pre meal? Correct. Yes. And I think you can do it after a meal. It still would be effective, but the best way is to do it before a meal. So if you were to forget it, you can still do it at the end. Why vinegar? Why apple cider vinegar? So it has something called acetic acid in it. And I don't know the whole mechanism behind that, but not a chemist, not a chemist. No. I know, I know. So something with the, the acidity and the type of acid it is really helps kind of shuttle the glucose in a different way and helps your body to absorb it and metabolize it differently. 
Fantastic. Good. That's a good one. Yeah. So the next one is one of my favorites because it again goes back to not taking things away, but just switching up your routine a little bit. And it's about the order of eating. So Mm -hmm. You want to eat your leafy greens and vegetables first, okay. and that's going to help prevent the body from absorbing the glucose so rapidly. And then you'll follow that up with your proteins and fats. And so save your carbs for last because your body will already be digesting the other stuff. It won't be able to just take the carbs directly into the bloodstream pretty much. So whether that's your rice or potatoes or even your dessert, you just save it for the end. And another right. thing with dessert is just go ahead and eat it at the same time as your dinner rather than two or three hours later, because at that point, then you're just going carb heavy three hours later. So it's better when you're pairing it with something else. So greens, then proteins, and then your carbs. Mm -hmm. So greens or veggies, like a simple salad or whatever, you know, veggies you're having, proteins and fats second, and then carbs last. Perfect. Yeah, right. that's I like that one. It's like a normal, normal American meal. Salad first and then everything else. Yeah. Right. And so it really made me laugh the other day. I was like, that's why they always serve sad salads. It wasn't just to, I yeah. don't know. but I was like, there's actually like a beneficial biochemical reason to eat it. And so I yeah. yeah, love it. <laughs> another hack, another hack. Number three is to have some physical activity after a meal, something as simple as going for a walk, like 15 minutes yeah. walking of walking. And, you know, do it pretty soon after you eat within the hour for sure. But, you know, 10 to 20 minutes after would be great because when you're using your muscles, they're having to use energy to move. Mm -hmm. And then it's therefore going to take the glucose out of your bloodstream and prioritize your muscles rather than keeping it in the bloodstream. And then again, being later stored as fats. And you can do things besides a walk too. If you don't, if it's cold or snowing or raining, you can just be in your living room, just do a few body weight squats or push-ups or walk up some stairs, just something with your muscles so that your muscles are taking up that glucose. You almost want to be able to, instead of going, okay, that's going to sit here. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to, I'm going to move my body, get my, get that blood. I mean, I'm going to use it, but also just not let it sit in my body. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're really getting like two benefits. Your muscles are getting fueled and, and you're also burning fat or preventing, you know, the accumulation of extra fat from that. all your hacks in the notes too. So I just want to let you know. Awesome. So number four is no naked carbs. So na a naked carb is a carb source by itself, like a piece of bread, um, pasta, ice cream, you know, anything like that. So you always want to pair a carb source with something else like a fiber, protein or fat to prevent that high glucose spike, because it kind of goes hand in hand with wanting to, to eat in a certain order. But even if you were to eat it at the same time, it still helps. And so instead of having, you know, for breakfast, a sugary pastry or orange juice, have it with an egg. So if you, you know, you're, you love your muffins, keep the muffin add an egg. And so you're, you know, you're, you're still getting that satisfaction of eating what you love, but you're also, you know, adding in the extra nutrients, extra protein and fat, and that's going to keep you fuller longer. You're going to have better energy concentration. You're going to have less cravings later in the day. So it's just really a great hack. And what's a good, for example, with a pasta to put, what, what is good protein to put in there with, with okay. the, uh, you, anything. I mean, that would be a perfect example of side salad first before mm -hmm. pasta. But if you were wanting a protein, you know, shrimp, um, chicken is always good. Like some ground meat, if you're wanting to do like a more of a classic spaghetti. So the options are endless. And I think I, I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to food. So uh, some, some people would probably think what I eat is weird, but it's like, well, and so far you're telling me things. Okay. 
I'm going to interview someone. I'm, I'm, I'm you right now, Lane. I'm the clinician. I want to figure out what you eat normally. At that point, I'm going to take what you normally and make it more of a, what would you call like a, like a, like a diabetes prevention meals. At that point, you're keeping it very simple, just changing the order around, maybe a pre-drink beforehand. At that point, you're keeping things very simple for someone to not feel like they're overwhelmed would change your lifestyle to actually make themselves feel better and be better inside. Exactly. And, you know, if someone's like extremely serious about changing their health, we can always take it further. But uh, oftentimes it's easy to, it's better and easier to start with some of these more implementable and attainable and sustainable Mm -hmm. tips so that you don't get discouraged because you can't, you can't carry it out because sometimes it's just too much too soon. And so this is a great place to start. That's fantastic. Well, keep going. Number five, I think, right? Number five. Number five is always hydrate and eat before caffeine. So I know so many of us Americans, people in general, love love our coffee. And I know a lot of people who go straight to that when they first wake up. And that can really be harmful to our hormones because when you drink that heavy caffeine dose, that's going to cause your adrenal glands to put out your stress hormones, your adrenaline and all of that. And then in response to this stress, your body's going to also uh, promote more glucose release in the bloodstream. And so that's going that the point of that is to give you energy. So because your body thinks you're running for your life when mm-hmm. you have those stress hormones, your brain doesn't know the difference of you're running from a bear versus you just have a big day planned and like 10 million things on your to do list. It doesn't know the difference. And so it's going to pump out uh, glucose to go to your muscles and your essential organs in order to run from that bear that it thinks is coming after you. So what do you suggest in the morning, someone who wakes up early and works out, um, is a big glass of water, a little protein shake? What do you suggest for someone like that? Yeah. So if you're early morning workout, I think that's a great routine. But yes, first a big old glass of water. And, you know, you want to rehydrate because you just spent the last eight hours not drinking anything. So you're dehydrated when you wake up and also to help flush out toxins because your body does, you know, a lot of work overnight to help you detox. And so you really want to aid that process and keep, keep everything flushed out and then eat a nourishing breakfast. It doesn't have to be huge, especially if you are, um, you know, going for a workout right after, maybe you want a slightly smaller breakfast, but really focusing on something that is well balanced with protein and fats. And then carbs are pretty easy for us to get. So that's, you know, throughout the day, I feel like, you know, we can always find some easy carb sources and we tend to be lower on the proteins and fats. And so it's breakfast, especially you want to prioritize those things because that's what's going to help you have that better mental clarity, mental energy, physical energy, and it's going to help stabilize your blood sugar the rest of the day. You almost want like to have like a little bar or something like that, a little snack ready to go in the morning, boom, you're ready to go, jump in the car and go. You know, at that point you have a routine every day. Yeah. And I would say, you know, speaking of bars and stuff that there's not that many good bars out there that I would recommend because they're full of sugar and they're disguised as being healthy, but most of them aren't. So instead of a bar, this is one of my favorite things that I've done for years. And that is to have a smoothie for breakfast instead, Uh, because then you know what's going in there. You're putting the ingredients in there and it's more whole whole food sourced. And so it's better, it's more nutritious and Uh, one of the things I used to do when I was working seven shifts in a row at the hospital, that's like 12 hour shifts, seven days straight, exhausting. Um, But you know, the mornings you, it's hard to like get in a routine where you're not rushed and especially getting up. Anyway, you, you, I would always take my little Nutribullet cups and fill them with my produce. And I would have seven of them. And every week, that's what I would do is I would put 
some frozen leafy greens like spinach, followed by like a little bit of a banana, followed by a bunch of berries. And that would just be in the freezer ready to go. That wow. morning I would wake up, fill the water, fill water, fill it with water, and then add protein and add some fat like a nut butter and then just blend it. And it's, you pour it in a little to-go cup and it's, you know, it literally takes five minutes or less. When you do the prep work the night before, so that's when you're ready to go. You just put everything in there and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Wow. Well, and that's one thing. When you have a routine, I think, like that, you know it's going to help you. You know what to think about it. What's in my fridge today? It takes you long. You just want to go. Yeah, and the prep, like the week prior to your shifts or, you know, anybody's, any busy day that you may have, mm -hmm. it takes a matter of minutes just to put it in there and put it in the freezer. And that's wow. just, you know, but it still saves you so much time and energy thinking about that thinking of all that you have to do. It just take some steps out the next morning when you are, you have a lot of other things to do to exactly. get ready. Not even conscious. You just do it unconsciously sometimes. Yeah. And you can switch your, your smoothie up, you know, switch it up every now and then so that you don't get tired of one thing, but there's just the options are endless with smoothies. So I love them. I like it. I like it. So number six or number seven? I think we're on six, but okay. number six is eating a balanced breakfast. So we kind of already talked about this, but just prioritizing protein especially earlier in the day, 50, 15 to 30 grams would be ideal. I personally try to shoot for more 30. Um, that's just going to, again, give you the amino acids that your brain needs to function optimally that, and then, you know, also focusing on a fat source and a fiber source um, when right. possible. Cool. So you want what, and so the, so the protein would be to help your body just kind of balance out so you don't need those extra carbs? Well, you want the amino acids from the protein, which is essential for so many different processes in the body. And, you know, you need the protein for the muscle building and all of that, of course, too. Um, but I just found that it like helps keep me fuller. It really helps me think more clearly and have more just like energy throughout the day. To, and I think you'll find like when you when you do prioritize your nutrition with some of these hacks, you may not even need caffeine anymore. And well, that's not too crazy, Lane. Oh, no, I know that might be too far. <laughs> but it allow, allows you to have the energy from your natural foods and your in your beverages and your smoothies. So you don't need that extra rush in the morning every day. Yeah. And then I know that might take some time. So that might be later down the road, but that, you know, I have noticed that I've been able to do that. So. Good. Good, good. And with with everything you're doing too, do you do you worry about sleep? Does that affect diabetes too? Yes, that's actually one of the other last things I was going to mention is you can't leave out sleep. We need good restful sleep, and you know that's when our body heals is during that time. And you know, really seven to nine hours is ideal, like minimum of seven, really. And we really like that's just a non-negotiable so if your sleep's not great that's going to be one of the first things we work on in conjunction with some other lifestyle hacks but that's very very important and with that too i think with sleep and just for me detail when i have my patients when they don't sleep well <clears throat> or sleep to the effect of their stress too then their body wants to crave carbs because that gives them that quick energy makes them feel good boom that again that leads to more of a side effect of getting more pre-diabetic or having type 2 diabetes. Yes, exactly. That's definitely one of the major things that I see too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, also when you're not sleeping well, that's going to dysregulate your hormones. That kind of goes hand in hand with the cortisol spike and therefore the cravings, because if your cortisol is not great, you're going to use glucose to get that or the adrenaline too, to get the energy. And you're going to get that 
through like caffeine or from sugary foods. <laughs> or Red Bull or one of those jolts or something like before. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so number eight. So number eight would just to be increase your vegetable intake as many vegetables as you want, um, like really just focusing on eating the rainbow, which sounds like, you know, so simple, but really aim for like multiple different colors. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people really, their goal is to eat like 30 different plant foods in a week. And that might seem like a lot, but it's, it's really not that bad. And I think you'll find like the diversity is, is nice. And you have all these different textures and flavors and, not only is having more vegetables in your nutrition going to help with blood sugar stabilization, it's also going to help feed your healthy gut bacteria and keep the gut inflammation in check because overall gut health is critical with blood sugar balance too. Because if you have an inflamed gut, your hormones are going to be affected and therefore your blood sugar too. And, and so, we're going from veggies to fruits, are fruits good for people with diabetes? I mean, so fruits are wonderful sources of nutrition. So I hate to demonize fruits, but you, if you do have diabetes or insulin resistance or somewhere in between, you do want to limit your fruit, especially in the beginning stages as your body is healing. So like a good rule of thumb is like one, one cup serving of fruit per day or one like piece of fruit, like an apple or something. Um, berries are great. They're lower on the glycemic index. So like wild blueberries are one of my favorites. So you can have like two cups of those, but also remembering that those have their benefits, but pairing it with, with the fiber, fat or protein will also help. Good, good, good. And, and, and before we go to number nine, when we're shopping, cause you mentioned fruits, vegetables, and even meats, proteins, is it good to look at the packages, especially if you're buying something canned or packaged, to look how much sugar's in there? Definitely. And you want to look for added sugars. Um, of course, you know, fruits have their natural sugar, so it wouldn't say added sugar on there. So it's still something to be mindful of the total grams. And um, beyond that, though, like looking at just the general ingredient list, it's not all about macros, it's about the micros and also additives that you know that you just don't want like the artificial colors and even like natural flavors have a controversy of their own <laughs> are they really natural i know like where are they <laughs> um but yeah you just want the minimal ingredients the better because that you know that it's simple it's cleaner it's less likely to have been ultra processed so how about salt is salt affecting people with diabetes salt so i think that our society has like talked bad about salt for so long that we're afraid of it, but we need salt. Actually, we really need salt for good hormone balance, adrenal function. We need it for so many different things. And so a really uh, table salt is not the most ideal form though. You do want something like pink Himalayan sea salt or like Celtic sea salt, just because they have better properties or less processed have, you know, other things that come with them because they're more uh, found like, more natural, I guess. I tell people sometimes look at this, look at the ingredients and go, okay, it looks good, but how much sodium in there, how much salt is in there? If it says like four or 500 milligrams, I'm like, that's way too much. It's like ketchup. Ketchup has like four or 500 milligrams of salt. Yeah. And you know, that salt is going to be the ionized table salt. It's not going to be the good salt that we want. So you definitely mm -hmm. want to watch out for process of, especially if you have something like diabetes, because when you have diabetes, you're predisposed to other conditions like heart disease. And if you are, and, and kidney disease, and if you have heart disease or kidney disease, you really at that point should be watching your salt because 
if you're not, if your heart's not able to pump the blood volume that salt contributes to, or if your kidneys aren't able to clear that volume, then you can get overloaded with fluid. And that's when you see swelling and heart failure and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's one thing is you got to be, you got to come, okay, if I'm, if I'm pre-diabetic, okay, but what else is going on? Like I said, the bigger picture, what's my overall health picture? What, what am I dealing with? So one thing may help me, but another thing may be, if you want to call it more of a risk factor for my health. So talk to someone like Lane allows you to, okay, this is my big picture. She can help guide you with what you should or should not be eating, doing, or even thinking, I'm assuming, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Perfect timing to bring up thinking because like mindfulness is like the other um, hack. And mm-hmm. I always like talk about our mindset with my clients, because if you have a mindset that you cannot heal or that you cannot do something, then that's going to hold you back so much. And so I really want to help empower my clients that you can do this. Honestly, the first step is reaching out for help or admitting that you're going to start something and, and putting that ball in motion. And so you've already like done more than you did before. And so be proud of every little thing, even if it's just the mental decision that you're going to make a change and then act on it though. Um, but always like practicing mindfulness and gratitude, especially if you have like an uneasy relationship with food, like you're his- historically, you don't have a good relationship. You're, you're fearful of what food is going to do, or you tend to binge or things like that. Just knowing that you know, that you're in a healing journey and you can heal. It is possible. A lot of times it just takes hacks like we've talked about today to really get started. And um, one phrase that I like to share with my clients is for them to practice saying during mealtimes that this food is nourishing me. And that's, that's regardless of if it's the most colorful salad in the world or if it's the most chocolatey milkshake there ever was. Like either way, you want to be saying this food is nourishing me. And because even if it's not maybe technically the best thing for you, you're still healing. And if you can have the mindset that it's helping you, it's, it's going to take you so much further. I like that you're giving people the confidence and the control and being proactive to make them understand, hey, look, okay, you're in charge of your food. You're in charge of what you need to do. We're going to be a journey of how do we relearn what's good for you because your culture your family lifestyle, what you've done in the past hasn't worked for you. We have to relearn that because you can, you're mentally enabled, physically able to, it just takes time to, to do that. And having someone come in with the confidence that they can, at that point, now you can get to them, now they can actually relearn stuff versus they come in and they're anxious, depressed, stressed about it. They, As we all do, we shut down. We don't want to change because we don't. We think, we think if we change, it's going to get worse. So having that coming in with that idea, that mentality, that mindset, allows them to want to change and make your job easier too, I'm assuming. It definitely does. Cause like then I, I can meet them in a better place and they've already like done some of the mental work then if you know, and I'll work with anybody wherever they are, we'll, we'll yeah. figure it out along the way. It's a partnership um, that we decide to join. And, it, you know, speaking of like partnerships, you know, the traditional medical system tends to focus on like more of a hierarchy and in what I do with functional medicine, I always tell you like, we're in this together. If I want you to do something and it doesn't align with you, then we're simply just not going to move forward with that. We're going to find something else that fits better into your life and just focusing on the partnership piece with that. And then back to the mindset real quick is if you do have an off day, cause we all have off days it's really important to like give yourself grace and to not get upset with yourself or, you know, start 
going down this spiral that you've already failed or anything like that, because that's not the case. The only way you fail is if you quit and don't start back. And so having an off day is most likely going to happen, but it's, and that's okay. You know, we're allowed to, to have off days and to, you know, cave and like eat the ice cream. We were doing so good, but that's, that's okay. We can change it the next day. We can change it the next week. Even if it's been a year that you feel like you've fallen off the wagon, it's not too late to just get started. And that's just the most important thing is to just start. One question a lot of my patients may ask also too, is if I'm on medications for type two diabetes, at what point do I either take myself off or do I have my doctor take me off, off medication? Well, I would always recommend doing it with the supervision and the guidance of your primary doctor, whatever provider puts you on the medication. I don't think it's ever wise to just do it on your own because yeah. if something happens, you want to have a resource locally to you that knows your story and knows what you've been doing. Um, but I de it's definitely possible to come off of your medications, especially with these lifestyle changes. And so I think when it comes to blood sugar in, in particular, you really need to be monitoring it closely. And if you notice that your blood sugar is dropping too low, that's a clear sign that you maybe need to tweak some of your medications. And then monitoring that A1C while implementing all these lifestyle changes. And I, I'm confident that with all with a lot of the changes that some of that we talked about today, and there, I'm sure there's plenty that we didn't, but there's a lot of things you can do to really reverse diabetes. Well, obviously, as you gave yourself, like you had mentioned earlier, give yourself three months of retesting of changing your lifestyle. At that point, give your, give your body a chance to change exactly what your A1C would be, what your glucose level would be too, fasting glucose. At that point, now the blood work comes back negative per se. At that point, the doctor go, hey, here, doctor, here's my new results. Then now how do I get off the medication? And so you give them actually evidence. You've done the work. You've been proactive. They see a change in you. At that point, that gives them the confidence and less risk to cause again more issues in life if you don't if you're still diabetic. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. What was number nine, or did we go over nine, number nine already? Um, I think we went over them because we talked about like restful sleep, and you know the the last thing to point out is just kind of reiterating the importance of gut health because good. if you have inflammation in your gut, if the bacterial balance is off, and all of the, if you have food sensitivities or any type of leaky gut, that is going to be really important to heal in order to fix, you know, insulin resistance and diabetes. And a lot of that can happen just with nutrition changes. Sometimes you don't need to go uh, and do all these crazy things or crazy protocols. Nutrition is the number one thing to do and start with. Well, that's what actually got you there in the first place. Why not reverse that or adjust that to get you out of it? That makes yeah. makes sense to me, but I don't know. What am I? I'm just a doctor, so I don't know. I'm sure. <laughs> no, exactly. It's exactly true. Good, good, good. Anything else for your show? You have all the links in the show notes, too, like we talked about before. They're all right there. Um, you have your LV and your full name for one, too. Instagram, TikTok, um, your website also. You know your stuff, Lane. This is, again, our second show. You're very confident what you do. You help a lot of people. You've been there before. You understand how stress can affect your body physically, um, psychologically and also biologically, exactly. So talk to Lane. At that point, talk to her. Hey, I have some questions about this and this. Connect with her on her Facebook, oh, not her Facebook, but her website and also her Instagram, TikTok, and ask questions. She, you don't charge like by the hour. Someone calls you, correct? 
Yeah, you're welcome to reach out and we'll kind of bounce some ideas off of each other. And if there's anything obvious, I'll, we can point it out in that conversation. But I'm always offering like a free strategy call as well with anyone who is, you know, aligned with with how I work. And so another thing, too, is if you actually go to the link in my Instagram now or the uh, my website, there's a tab that says free God in the top right corner. Or you can just go to the link in my Instagram. But I created a free guide that really breaks down the importance of glucose control and balance and also talks through a lot of these hacks as well. Okay, so I'm thinking of it right now. It says download your guide to balancing blood sugar here. So I'm going to link that in the show also. At that point, get get your help, my friends. This is, again, even though if you're healthy, okay, you might be healthy, but you know someone who is pre-diabetic or, okay, how do I avoid that? Doing it now allows you to either adjust or or it, it basically solidifies you. You're on a good nutrition diet. You're doing a great thing. You're doing enough exercise so you don't have these problems as we get older and older. All right. So, Lane, what's your last takeaway for the show today? It would be to just start where you are and to be willing to do some trial and error. You know, it's, it might be a little tricky when you first get started, but just pick one thing of things that we talked about today and just start there. And then once you have that mastered and you feel comfortable and confident that you can continue in that process, add another thing. And so it's not it's to prevent the overwhelm and to, you know, just keep the ball moving forward in the direction that you're wanting to go. Makes my job easy. Fantastic. Good job.